all the way what do you guys think great great song um it never it always kind of flew by me and i never really paid much attention to it um there was this track and a mainline both i never really paid a lot of attention to um until 2004 when they played it on a select few of the rock the nation shows and also some of the shows and i know they played it in tokyo and they i think they played it in australia as well a great it's song. a really good i love song. it uh ken what do you think about that song well, it sums up some relationships I've been in. Sure. It, it hits close to home. <laughs> well, what formerly was my home. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, it's it's weird because uh, there's certain Kiss songs that like kind of form how you're going to react to situations. Uh, like, for example, Cripes, um, I don't know how old I was the first time I heard this song, but you know, I remember uh, how I would kind of deal with the situation. Do you know what I'm saying? You mean like... <clears throat> like, like for example, whether it be a Beatles song. Like, for example, I was listening to Beatles songs when I was five, mm -hmm. okay? And I had already had all these ideas about love, breakup, romance, ending not good. <laughs> yes, I mean, you, you're walking around your five-year-old singing yesterday. You know... <laughs> You're yeah, five. Can see, I was five and singing "Tunnel of Love." So, I was five and singing "There's a Tear in My Beer." There you go. Um, what are we talking about? All the way. I have no idea. Oh, all the way. All the way. Uh, yeah, I really like this song a lot. It's got great harmonies. It's uh, very catchy. The quarter notes on the cowbell. I love that. Yes. Yes. Good job, Pete. Oh yeah. I mean, all of them are just they play really well on this record it's some of pete's best recorded drumming i think is on parasite and uh watching you on this record but uh yeah it's just it's it's a great way to begin side two and a weird thing is that i had the cassette back in the day i, I you know I, I bought it on vinyl first listened to it and then went out and got the cassette because um you know i i wanted something for the car and for my walkman and on the cassette what was weird is that all the way was the second song Oh, I got to choose all the way going blind, and then side two began with Parasite, which is really weird. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember and that. It's, it's odd. I, sometimes when I put on Harder Than Hell, I still sort of expect to hear that. But anyway, um, right. This is a live recording. I think it's from Australia, 2004. A really good performance of All the Way. Give it a listen.
My friend Charlie once called watching you a gothic masterpiece. And uh, it's kind of a dramatic way to describe a Kiss song, but I think Charlie was kind of on the money here. I would agree. Can you uh, kind of explain gothic? What do you mean Dark, by gothic? Um, sort of foreboding. Uh, Parasite yeah. fits that. Yeah, but this is plotting in a way. It's sort of... I mean, even the subject matter limping. is... Limping. What's that? Even. Limping. Right. Yeah, I mean, As it's sort do. of like Igor and 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 peering through a, a curtain and leering at somebody. It's just something very dark and scary about watching you. I mean, and I know that it's... I know, I know now that it is based on a Hitchcock film, a really good movie, too. Yeah. Um, but there's something very brooding and, and awe-inspiring, I guess, about watching you. My favorite version of which is still on Kiss Alive, like the first I heard and still my favorite. For me, the, the ultimate version of this song is, again, Winterland 75. That was, you know, one of the very first things that made me, you know, take notice of Kiss is when, you know, the line, you know, trying not to stare. Oh, that's great. Still to this day, when I watch that, it gives me chills. That's the early demon well, folks. Well, all right of them. There. I mean, the guitar work is incredible. I know we've played it before on this show. The the demo for this is really just raw rock and demo, and and it sort of speaks to how you don't need a lot of distortion for something to be heavy, right? Um, right. But the yeah the live the live version of this is incredible, and one of the things I love most about it is uh, Pete's groove on the drums. Good gravy. I mean, the guy was a groove meister. I would agree. And here's a really, actually, very groovy version. It's faster than the Alive version. It's faster than the version on, on the studio album. But this is a, a really cool version of Watching You that we're going to listen to. And what's different about it or interesting about it is that it's from the Destroyer tour. And it's from uh, New Jersey, 1976, when Pete would play his drum solo in the middle of Watching You. And it's a soundboard recording, so it's going to sound pretty good, I think. So give this a listen. It's really cool. Let's hit 
All right, so this is a record that didn't sound like the first album, and it doesn't sound like the third album. How much of that comes down to what the band was going through in terms of uh, money and the record company, and how much of that comes down to the vibe of where they were geographically at that time? Well, it's a pretty dark album for being recorded in sunny California. On the other hand, you had Gene, who couldn't drive, so he didn't like being stuck there. Paul, his guitar was stolen at the studio the first day they were recording. Uh, Pete, Mr. Brooklyn, wanted to go home. And Ace was uh, being Ace. Didn't Ace have like a serious car accident right about that time? And his face was yep. all uh, screwed up and whatnot? Oh, that's right, yeah. All right, so so before we go on to the next song, and we, we of course, have a contest to talk about, don't we? Um, before we go on to that, though, I want to read this. This is an excerpt from... Uh, from the Behind the Mask book. Um, this is Paul Stanley talking about Mainline. Peter said to Gene and I, if I don't sing this song, I'll quit the band. If it means that much to you, fine, sing the song. I didn't write the song for someone else. I wrote the song for me. I'd rather somebody say to me, this means a lot to me than to start holding things over my head. When you call somebody's bluff on something, uh, if it really matters to me, guess what, pal, you lose. Don't dare me unless you're ready to pay the consequences. When I play, I play to win. It's funny, even Gene knows I don't make bets with anybody unless I'm going to win. When someone sees that I'm going to bet them, it's pretty much time to take your money and go <laughs> home. I play to win. Yeah, he was pissed. He mm-hmm. sounds like he was pretty angry. He really didn't want to give that song up, but Pete was going to quit. It was the first of many times he was going to quit. Well, so I guess this is a time when we talk about this contest that we had, or we announced it last year, I guess, back in... Oh, gosh, November, I think, when we did the Lick It Up show. And the contest is was um, for people to submit their own versions of Mainline, and the reason being that we, we knew we were going to be reconstructing this album podcast style, um, but there's no known live recording circulating around of, of either Kiss doing Mainline or of one of the you know kind of solo offshoots doing Mainline or even of like a demo for this song. So we solicited listeners to try to um, come up with their own unique ideas. And we got a really, really good one here that we're going to play. And and this is uh, definitely our winner. So this was recorded by one of our listeners, a guy named Trevor, Trevor Lynn. And um, Trevor writes the following. uh, Rich Massett Sawyer, who plays drums and sings on it, and myself, who plays the guitars and bass, are delighted to win. We tried to capture the vibe of the original song, but also inject some of the flavor of Peter's 1978 solo album with the brass section. The song was actually recorded at Rich's apartment in France, but we like to think that in the best traditions of Alive, we captured the feel of a live audience with the Bad Boys of Kiss gig. We also tried a jazz lounge version of the song, complete with a smoky electric piano, uh, some of which was kept as the intro music to the track. A great song, and we're pleased to have recorded a version of it. Well, you guys did a great job, and, and what I think one of the things we love about this is, um, you know, w- when people do covers that really showcase their originality as much as the, the song itself, and um, this is no exception. So give a listen to Trevor uh, and his submission for Mainline. The year is 1995. Former KISS bandmates, guitar player Ace Freely and drummer Peter Chris have joined forces on the Bad Boys of KISS tour. Here we join them on stage for a previously unheard recording of one of their early rare KISS classics. Sit back 
and enjoy. I'm going to do a song now from... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what album this from, Pete. <laughs> I think it's off a hot and Oh, yeah. Anyway, it goes like this.
So that was the winning submission for the mainline contest. And our good friends at Vampire Sales, check them out on eBay, by the way, um, they have submitted uh, some prizes, a copy of the Early Years Kiss book, and um, some Paul Stanley guitar picks. So those will be heading your way, Trevor. Thanks so much again for that awesome, awesome submission. And now we're almost done with the record. We've got Coming Home. What do you guys think about this song? It's the one song to me that almost doesn't sound like it should be on this album, but more on Dress to Kill. I would agree with that. What do you think, James? The studio cut has never really done a whole lot for me. Um, I absolutely adore this song on the convention tour. And of course on Kiss Unplugged, I thought the acoustic element really brought this song out better than the electric did. First of all, I agree with you that it really kind of came to life uh, on the acoustic tour and the unplugged MTV unplugged version is uh, dynamite, my favorite version of the song. And um, I think part of that has to do with sort of the symbolism of being in New York, playing this sort of reunion gig where uh, Ace and Peter were going to play and singing about, you know, coming home to you. Really felt like there was some meaning behind that. Um, I agree with Ken that it feels more like it would be on home at home rather on the third album because it is that like upbeat up um you know fun poppy uh kind of vibe to it way happier song than the rest of the album um mainline too though that's that's also a kind of happy song in a major key um but what I guess is important about this song and and, and where I guess it does fit on the record is the the lyrics i think they really were sick and tired of touring they'd been touring for you know about a year straight and must have been exhausted and um probably were really tired of hotel rooms i agree what we've got tonight is uh right about the time of the convention tour and mtv unplugged kiss went on conan o'brien and performed two songs back-to-back acoustically um they were coming home right into domino so here is Kiss, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Bruce Kulick, and Eric Singer doing Coming Home. Ladies and gentlemen, Kiss!
fun version, good version, good to watch, good to hear. And finishing up the album is a song that some regard as uh, one of Ace's defining moments, I guess, right? Like one of his best guitar solos and heavier tunes, right? What do you guys think of Strange Ways? Excellent, excellent, excellent. The guitar solo, I think, is on a different level. It's not the stereotypical Ace, and I think that's why I love it so much. Ace really kind of broadened his horizons with the Strange Ways solo. From what I remember, <clears throat> I think I had a double stack of Marshalls turned up to 10 with a with some kind of a power booster, you know, so I, you know, and basically uh, I, w- I usually do my guitar solos in the control room, you know, with a long cable, but I, I did the solo uh, in front of the amps so I, so I could get a little more sustain and some, of the, some more feedback, and uh, <clears throat> it was real loud. It was one of the loudest solos I've ever done as far as, you know, the volume of the, the it must have been 140 dB in the, in the room when I was doing it. Basically, what I'll do is I don't practice solos anymore. I just go in and, and, and we usually end up keeping the first or second take. And if I make a couple of mistakes, we usually just end up punching in the mistakes, you know, and because you know usually that spontaneity of the first or second take, you know, is when I'm not thinking. I just play for my soul. I was a little drunk, and uh, I just went out there, and I just, like, I didn't think. I just played. And that's usually when my I do some of my best solo work, you know. I just kind of play from uh, from my heart and, and don't think about what I'm playing. The song was kind of like a fluke. Um, Paul and Gene were pressuring him to contribute musically to the album more. And, uh, and... Grooves Magazine, 1978, he said, I let Pete sing it because I was afraid to sing it. What's interesting is is when I read some of Ace's interviews about, well, I had to leave the band because I had to have my own career. I wanted to sing my own songs. Ace will tell you, if you ask him, he will tell you the truth. The reason Ace is singing today is because we forced him to sing his own songs. From, from Cold Gin on, from the very first song, the point was, hey, why don't you sing? He goes, no, I can't sing. I really, oh, come on, what does it matter? We were the ones that pushed him to sing. Lee. He didn't want to sing his own song. He didn't sing lead until... Shock me. Yeah, and now I picture Ace laying on the floor of the studio. Flat on his back. Because that's oh, the I only way that. he could okay. sing, originally. That Virian on his hand, he'd take a swig of, but that's how he sang. So Ace <laughs> had no desire, none, to sing. He was pushed into singing. And then when he heard that his voice was okay, it was like, hey man, I really am a rock and roll singer. And that's fine, but to then later have small sour grapes and say, I had to leave the band because I wanted to be able to sing my own songs is really bullshit. And if you ask Ace, he will say, okay, okay, right. I think it's suited for him in a way. I mean, it would have been interesting to have his first song be, his first vocal be this song about Strange Ways on on an album that, uh, you know, photographically (laughs) showcases Strange Ways on the back, you know? There's a lot of Strange Ways going on. That's a famous photo shoot, man. Yeah, it's a great it's a great way to end an album that that definitely has that vibe to it. Um, it is a great guitar solo. It just doesn't sound like anything else that Ace ever recorded. Um, it matches the vibe of the album, the the production of the album. I mean, we've talked about how this record would sound different if it was cleaned up and everything. And you know, there's a part of me that that really does yearn to hear what you know what this record could sound like if they 
pull everything out of the the master tapes but on the other hand sometimes records are really married to their production yep you know like the early Mm -hmm. Beatle records and i don't know if i would want to hear strange ways with such clarity you know, crystal clarity do you know that yeah. there's rumored to be a gene vocal version of strange <laughs> ways out there wow i don't know if if it would be cool and as big an, a gene simmons fan as i am i just can't imagine it being as great as pete's well it would make some sense you know using the demon character as a frame of reference lyrically yeah but uh, yeah, you know, Ace Ace gave it to Pete because he was lobbying for uh, more songs, and the producers also wanted Ace to or Pete to try it. So, and Pete also wanted to do a big drum solo. He, I guess, yeah. The, <laughs> the story goes that he wanted his big like Moby Dick moment to be on Strange Ways, which I keep trying to imagine where in the song it would fit, if at all. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I would have liked it had they done so. A seven-minute drum solo in the middle of that song. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a Kiss idea. They recorded it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, as a matter of fact, in Kissery, uh Gene said, Peter went into this long doll solo and said, if you guys cut this thing, I'm leaving the band. And then Paul says, so at the end of the day when Peter left the studio, Gene and I stayed behind with Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise. We all knew the solo was terrible, and we cut it from the song without Peter knowing it. Peter threatened to quit the band again. The solo was cut, but after it was cut, he didn't do so. It's a good thing, too. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he stuck around to give them their biggest hit, <laughs> I guess. So, <laughs> Think, things work out nicely in the end. I, you know, I, I, I'm sure it was a frustrating time for all of them, and um, you know, we're not knocking Pete, we're not knocking Gene and Paul, and no, no, no. In 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 any band situation or marriage or whatever, you know, you got four guys hopefully going in one direction, sometimes going in four directions. And uh, that's just, it's the way it is. You've been in bands. All, all three of us have been I, in I, bands. We have all run into this situation. I remember the first time that, uh, that my band recorded, you know, in a real studio. And I remember the drummer at the time uh, said something that I thought was really a good idea. He said, um, no one is allowed to mix their own instruments. That's a, that's a good idea. Physician, heal thyself. You know, you shouldn't be your own lawyer or doctor. James, what are we going to hear for Strange Ways? Uh, we've got a recording. I believe this is from the Bad Boys Tour in uh, 1994 or 95. This is uh, Ace Fraley and his solo band at the time with uh, special guest Peter Chris. I would be very proud to do a tune that Mr. Ace Frehley wrote for me, or for himself, or for all he is. It is, uh, and he wrote it for me and mine anyway. I damn well love singing it Strange Ways. <laughs>
So that's the Hotter Than Hell record. And uh, it's kind of interesting to note that it was recorded in three weeks. Wow. You know, we, we've gotten used to bands recording albums in, in five years. I mean, look at Def Leppard. <laughs> and uh, three weeks, they knocked this out. I mean, you know, I know that they had Watching You already written. They had Let Me Go Rock and Roll and Got to Choose, but... I'm just impressed with the quality of the material that they wrote for this album, right? Because, yeah, uh, like uh, the first track, uh, "Got to Choose," it, it, it yeah, bring an outstanding song. song too. Yeah, it's a great album. I mean, it's it's some of their best songwriting, and I and I'll tell you, I mean, we've probably talked about this before, but there's something about those first three records. I get that's it. First, first four records, you know, uh, up through and including "Kiss Alive." Um, that to me is almost like this is what Kiss is. Why is that? They've been staples of the live set for years, and it, you know, it just that's what always is defined, you know, in our heads as Kiss because that's you know been the quintessential Kiss for so many years. You know, songs like Black Diamond and Rock and Roll All Night, Strutter, Deuce, you know. All those songs have endured over the years. And I'll tell you something else I, I've read, and you guys too have probably read on the message boards where people are, some people, not a lot of people, but just a few people are complaining about the uh, the set lists from the past two years, the Alive 35 tour. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'd really like to hear that set list live. Like, that's still most of my favorite material. Well, I, I, I have to disagree a little bit. I mean, it's a great set list. It's all great material. But maybe where I became a fan so late, I, I'd rather hear them instead of pigeonholing themselves for most of the set into, you know, three studio records. I'd rather hear them... I think they have 20-some-odd so, uh, studio records. It's like, at this point, I think... You know, just for me, now, I'm not saying I don't like the set list from the current tour. I think it's a great set list. But I would almost rather hear something from Asylum, um, you know... Crazy Nights. Maybe even Crazy Nights. The song Crazy Nights. Well, sure. I mean, you know, there's there's always going to be the part of me that says, um, you know, when I go to see Kiss, maybe hopefully 
hopefully this will be the night, hopefully, when they pull out that rare gem and I, I get to, you know, lose my mind because, you know, wow, at last, finally, I'm hearing, you know, fits like a glove or something like that. But, you know, I guess I guess it all comes back to, for me, you know, it all comes or, back or to... Stanley the Parrot. Stanley the Parrot. That's right. Yeah. It all comes back to Stanley the Parrot. <laughs> it all comes back to Kiss Alive, that gatefold... Uh, you know, with the letters on one side and the pictures on the other and that booklet and all those those tracks from those first three records really define the, the sound that I think uh, personifies what Kiss is about. And Hotter Than Hell is really a, a, an essential piece of that puzzle. So what's coming up uh, for Podkist? Uh, we have an Elder show coming up. Kiss goes to the movies. Ace's new record's coming up. And there's an album coming out by some band named right. Kiss, and so we'll be covering that. That's what I keep hearing. Bruce's new album? Yeah, I keep hearing that there's some people making some music. That'll be nice. Uh, and any of those gentlemen, if you're listening, you know, Ace, Kiss, Bruce, you want to call us and do an interview or something, I guess we would condescend to allowing you to do that. We could take time out of our busy schedules to talk to you if you really want to. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. If uh, you have any suggestions, comments, or just want to talk to us, drop us a line at podkist at gmail.com. Be sure to check out James's other site, which is called zombiefaq.com. For all you white zombie fans, it's the place to be. A big thanks to Julian and all of our friends over at kissfaq.com. Big thanks to all of our pals at mykisslife.net. Keith LaRue and all the staff over at kissonline.com. They do a great job representing the hottest band in the land. Our good buddy Ken at his website, which is called kissfansite.com. Thanks for all you do for the podcast, your great graphics. If you have a Kiss-related website and want us to uh, mention it in the show notes or uh, possibly talk about it on the air, just let us know and we'll see what we can do about that. As James mentioned, be sure to check out Kiss Online for links to all the individual band members' websites. And as always, a big thanks to Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinny Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memories of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.